This is Crosswalk with Angel Tussie and Eric Raymer. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Crosswalk with Angel and Eric. But actually, it's not Angel and Eric today. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm guest hosting for Angel and Eric. And I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and the host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, which also airs on 94.7 FM The Word. I'm filling in for Angel and Eric today, and I'll be with you for the next two hours and sharing what I hope to be helpful information today on two topics that we all need to live well, safety and sleep. And in our first hour, my guest is Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, the leader in advanced safety education and solutions. And in our second hour, you'll hear from sleep and circadian rhythms research scientist, Dr. Gemma Paik. And if you have questions about safety and violence prevention or sleep and sleep deprivation, we'll also be taking your calls later in the program. And you can call in at 303-873-1935 if you have a question for my guests, Michael Yorio and Dr. Gemma Paik. Again, that's 303-873-1935. And you're listening to Crosswalk. And again, this is Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark filling in for Angel and Eric. And you can listen to my show, Living Well with Dr. Peg, on Saturday afternoons from 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain Time. And my show shares effective psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. And we explore a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics with guests who are experts in the field of psychology, finances, law enforcement, fitness, relationships, education, marriage, family, and health. And we're finishing our first year on 94.7 FM, The Word. And in the past year, I've interviewed some really great guests on the show. Uh, Perhaps you've heard of some of them, and maybe you're even a fan and a listener of the show. I've had Ron Deal from Family Life Blended, and they've got a a Blessed and Blended um, uh, live stream event coming up uh, next week. I think actually this Saturday. Uh, You can learn more about that. My church is hosting the live stream, Colorado Christian Fellowship. Reach out uh, to their main office if you are interested in participating in that and need more information. I've also had another uh, Colorado um, resident, Craig Hill, with Family Foundations International. It's based here in Colorado. I've had some really fascinating law enforcement experts like CIA Senior Security Officer Thomas Pecora on the show. And for you football fans, I've had NCAA standout and three-time Super Bowl champ with the Dallas Cowboys, Chad Hennings. And he came on and talked about character. Uh, I've also had New York Times bestselling author Karen Eman on the show, sharing her wisdom And most recently, one of my favorite TV news reporters, Denver's Nine News Morning Show anchor, Taronda Thomas. So this list just gives you a taste of the kinds of guests you can hear on my show, Living Well with Dr. Pegg. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, you can go to drpeggradio.com. That's D-R-P-E-G, radio.com, for the program archives. And, of course, you can listen to the show every Saturday at 1 p.m. Mountain on 94.7 FM, The Word. Uh, But today, (laughs) I'm live with you on Crosswalk. Again, I'm Peggy Mitchell-Clark filling in for Angel and Eric, and we're going to take your calls later in the show. So make a note of the number. Again, it's 303-873-1935. Well, my guest this first hour is no stranger to my show in 94.7 FM, The Word, Mr. Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, and he'll tell you more about the, the company and what they do, but they're the leader in advanced safety education and solutions, and Michael Yorio and I will be talking about how to keep yourself and your family safe 
and how to engage in important safety conversations with your children. And maybe you're driving the carpool right now, and so I would advise you turn up the volume just a little bit more. Make sure your kids are also listening. We're going to share some vital information on safety at school, at work, at home, at play, at worship. And, of course, our goal today is not to intimidate But to educate, this can be a topic sometimes that people get uncomfortable with. They may put their head in the sand, uh, but it's such a vital uh, topic, safety. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. And most people know this familiar proverb. uh, But did you know that Proverbs 4 also talks about the path of the wicked, the way of evil, the bread of wickedness, and the wine of violence? But the good news is that Proverbs 4 says wisdom will protect you and you will live. And we're confronted with evil and violence every day in our communities, in our schools, and even in our own homes. Uh, But we cannot protect ourselves from or prevent violence if we don't get wisdom and understanding. So to share some of his wisdom, I've got um, Michael Yorio with me today. Michael, thanks so much for being back on the program. Dr. Peggy, thanks for having me yeah. back. Great to be back in Denver. Yes, absolutely. Good to have you in Colorado. And Michael Yorio is president of SSI Guardian. Uh, and um, he, I'd like you to say more about SSI Guardian um, and why the services and solutions that Guardian provides are really so necessary in today's environment. So SSI Guardian, we're a full-service professional consulting firm. So we provide a myriad of services in security and safety consulting, as you had mentioned, advanced safety education training, and then a plethora of safety and security products and technologies. So when we talk about educators and schools, um, quite candidly, a school administrator, the absolute toughest, most important decision they will ever make in their career is looking after the safety and well-being of their students, teachers, and staff. Uh, It's a very, very tough decision to make. Without federal standards or state standards in place, in a lot of cases, they don't know what to do. They don't know who to look for. So we really fill that gap, providing professional advisory, best practice, performance-proven solutions to help schools create the safest environment possible. And unfortunately, in 2017, Uh, School safety and threats are very, very real. Uh, It's no longer a case that it'll never happen here or that happens in other states or other countries. Um, It's happening in our own backyards and at a frequency that is far too common. Yeah, and and we in Colorado are unfortunately all too familiar with what you're talking about. Um, And we'll be talking in our next segment about um, Columbine, um, which we just had at the anniversary of the Columbine tragedy um, just uh, this past week. And of course, the Aurora Theater shooting. So we're unfortunately all too familiar with uh, the need for the services that Guardian provides. Uh, We know that schools are the second most common location for an active shooter attack after business locations. Uh, So listeners, if you have a question for Michael Yorio about school safety, workplace violence prevention, or keeping your children safe in the community, Um, Plan to give us a call when we come back from this break. The number is 303-873-1935. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll find out what you or your children should do if you find yourself in the middle of an active shooter incident. Again, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and this is Crosswalk. We'll be back in just a moment. There's an accident near the end of the ramp, 270 eastbound on I-70. Stopped traffic behind that one to I-25 right now. 
Also looking at another accident, I-25 northbound approaching Orchard Road, stopping behind that to County Line Road. 225 southbound between Parker Road and DTC Tamarack, we're seeing a great deal of stop-and-go traffic. Same true with 270 westbound, a lot of stop-and-go traffic between I-70 and Vasquez, and I-70 westbound between 270 and Quebec. That's a look at traffic. I'm Steve Millen on 94.7 FM, The Word. Consult your tax professional before investing. Let me ask you a question. Can you keep your 401k or IRA safe from the death of the dollar, continued rampant Fed spending, political corruption, and from the possible new Cold War with Russia? If you answered no, then listen up. We are Advantage Gold, the number one rated gold IRA company in America by TrustLink. Fortunes are going to be made and lost over the next few months. It's time you took action. Over 50,000 people have requested our gold IRA investment guide to learn how to protect their retirement savings. Now it's your turn. Right now, we are giving away a free copy of our new gold IRA protection guide to anyone with an IRA, 401k, or retirement account. Find out how quick and easy it can be to convert your retirement fund to gold. Just call 1-800-900-8000 right now, and we will help teach you how to keep your retirement savings away from the government and safe in your pocket. Just call today at 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Representatives are standing by. Call 800-900-8000. Hey folks, Colin Richards here, founder of Lord & Richards. We're Denver's biblical investment advisor. Did you see your accounts go down in value back in 2008? Did they go down a little or a lot? What if I could show you a way to stay in complete control of your wealth and never have to lose another dime to the market's volatility? In today's volatile economic times, we're helping our clients enjoy peace of mind while still participating in the opportunities of the market. There's no reason to keep on doing the same thing and expecting different results, folks, when you can be using time-tested strategies strategies that will protect and grow your principal at the same time. Give us a call at Lord & Richards, 720-372-0400. That's 720-372-0400. Or check us out on the web at lordandrichards.com. Again, that's 720-372-0400. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Hi, this is residential real estate expert Dan Palomino from the Colorado Dreamhouse team. Listen, if you're thinking about selling your home, you want to get the highest price in the shortest amount of time. To do that, you need a great real estate team and one with incredible marketing. We're so sure our marketing plan for your home is better than everyone else. We're willing to put our money where our mouth is. Here's what we're offering. Interview the Colorado Dreamhouse team to sell your home. Then interview our competition. If their marketing plan is better than ours, then you can hire them and we'll pay you $250. I know. It sounds crazy giving you $250 to hire our competition. It probably won't happen because we're so sure you'll find our marketing plan better. You'll hire us to sell your home at top dollar. Why not give it a try? You have nothing to lose and $250 to gain. Call us today at 720-446-6325. Or to find out more information about our marketing guarantee, visit coloradodreamhouse.com forward slash 250. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-461-8937. 
1-877-273-7511. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-461-8937 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-461-8937 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-461-8937. You never thought you'd be facing divorce. Nobody does. But when it happens, who can you trust to help you? If you're dealing with the reality of divorce, you don't have to do it alone. Hi, I'm Tony Sterniolo, Christian domestic attorney. At the offices of Tony Sterniolo, we'll support and counsel you through this painful process. Together, we'll explore every possibility to reconcile your marriage. If divorce is the only option, we'll work to protect your family and your future. Don't walk this painful road alone. Call me, Tony Sterniolo, at 303-831-4400. That's 303-831-4400. Call Angel and Eric at 303-873-1935. This is Crosswalk. Hi, and welcome back to Crosswalk. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, filling in for Angel and Eric. And I'm the host of Living Well with Dr. Peg on Saturday afternoons at 1 on 94.7 FM The Word. And I'm talking with Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, whose advanced safety education and solutions have set the new standard in K-12 schools, higher ed, hospitality, and transportation. And we're taking your calls on safety, active shooter response, violence prevention. Uh, give us a 303-873-1935. Now, are you or do you know a student getting ready to graduate from high school or college? Have you recently retired or maybe you're, do- you're changing careers and you're stalled in a job that's unfulfilling. If so, I'd like to tell you about my Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat on Saturday, June 17th in Denver. If you're longing for something more meaningful or wanting to go in a new direction in your life, in your ministry or relationships, this one-day VIP small group retreat is for you. You'll gain clarity and understanding about where you are, where you want to go, and what's holding you back. So you can feel excited about doing something different and confident that you're moving in the right direction. Go to drpegradio.com and click on Retreat. Well, Michael Yorio, thanks for being in the studio with me live today here in Denver. My pleasure. <laughs> and listeners, again, if you have a question for Michael Yorio about safety and violence prevention or active shooter response at home, at work, school, church, or out in your community, you can call us now at 303-873-1935. Uh, so, Michael, let's talk about a really uh, cornerstone uh, concept in the training that Guardian provides, something called situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that, and why is it so important for our listeners to, to understand mm-hmm. what that is? So situational awareness really is one of the cornerstones of being prepared. Um, as we say, violent incidents can happen anywhere at any time and can impact, impact anyone So ultimately, you, meaning all of us as individuals, you are responsible for your own safety and well-being. So what we mean by that, if you have a baseline knowledge of situational awareness, you're going to be more aware. You're going to be more prepared. So what do we mean when we say a baseline? Understanding and being aware of your surroundings, but also being aware of the behaviors of those around you. And we're talking about behaviors, not individuals, how they may look but the behaviors, people that you know, any change in baseline behavior is cause for concern. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that somebody's going 
to go out and commit a heinous act. Um, but there's a reason uh, behind every change of baseline behavior, as you well know. Mm-hmm. So it may be something simple. They may be going through a challenging time in their lives, and they just need some help. They need to speak to somebody, or it could be more severe. We have some great examples of people who have taken action by applying baseline situational awareness that have led to throtted threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's happened at numerous schools where students have seen a concerning comment or a post on social media, have reported this rec- concerning behavior uh, to parents or law enforcement, and law enforcement was able to, in fact, stop the threat before it even happened. Mm-hmm. A big part of our training is addressing threat mitigation and prevention. We absolutely need to know and need to be prepared what to do if we're ever faced with a violent incident, but of equal importance, how do we prevent these things from taking place? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The best intervention, I always say, is prevention. And again, I I thank you for pointing out that we're not pigeonholing and profiling and stereotyping people, but we're looking at their behaviors, that exactly. there are there are identifiable, recognizable behaviors that show that a person is moving on a path towards violence. But violence doesn't just happen out of the blue, as some people mistakenly believe. So situational awareness is really, like you said, being aware of your surroundings and the behaviors of the people around you. But talk a little bit more about our physical surroundings. What are the kinds of things that uh, parents who are listening can talk with their uh, children about in terms of just being more cognizant? Because my big pet peeve these days is people on their cell phones. Mm. And, you know, God forbid they're behind the wheel of the car <laughs> on their cell phones, which we see that as well. But I even see pedestrians walking. They're, they cross streets. They walk through parking lots. Uh, they walk through buildings. They're on the elevator, and they've got their nose in that cell phone. Is that going to promote situational awareness if something were to be going down? Oh, it, it absolutely would. And that's a great example. Uh, if you're in your car and you see a car in close proximity to you and you see that individual texting, yeah. you need to be more alert. Um, it's not that you're going to get out of your lane, but that person very well could. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with pedestrians. Um, and, and we see it all the time. They just walk into traffic because they're not paying attention. Um, they are pre-consumed uh, with their cell phone, whether mm-hmm. they're texting, watching a video, uh, reading a letter, who knows what, playing Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> Um, but texting and driving do not mix. Yeah. Oh, um, nor texting and walking. Walking and texting do not mix it either. <laughs> right. a- absolutely. And you're missing all of those indicators that might be um, visible if you were more alert. And that's really the message you're trying to send. Absolutely. A- another example, uh, if you see somebody, um, if you're on your university campus or in your neighborhood, somebody that just – they're not a regular. Mm-hmm. And you see that person taking photos. Mm. You kind of got to ask yourself, uh, is this house that interesting? Is the picture they're taking that interesting? I get it. If you're taking a picture of Pikes Peak uh, mm-hmm. or, or the ocean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that plays into being situationally aware. Mm-hmm. Why would someone want to take a picture of an obscure item? Yeah. Uh, and it, it may lead to something. It may not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a proud partner with Department of Homeland Security's program called See Something, Say Something. It works. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, if you see something that doesn't seem right, say something. Alert authorities. uh, If you're at your work, alert your supervisor and let the proper people look into the matter. Right. And I'm I'm a big um, believer in intuition. And we as believers know that's the Holy Spirit giving us information. Absolutely. And so we want to trust our intuition. uh, But really, the point of um, advanced 
training and education is to actually recognize here are some indicators that this might um, not turn out well, that this could be escalating into a violent situation. So, yes, we want to trust our intuition, and we also want to be well-trained, whether we're um, uh, school personnel or the pastor or leaders of a church or people, uh, managers in an office building, having uh, good training to know what are the kinds of things that should raise our red flag, that should show up on our radar radar if we're situationally aware. Effective security is a comprehensive approach, Mm -hmm. meaning it involves a myriad of of components working in synergy, but it truly starts with training. If you're not trained, if you don't know what to look for, then obviously you're not able to identify these concerning behaviors or threats. Exactly. Absolutely. And we have a a little over a minute in this segment, and we'll continue our discussion after the break. But talk about uh, the 21st century safe school. That's really something that uh, we want to educate the listeners about. The Guardian really is is a pioneer in that area. 21st century safe school. What's that all about? Yes, absolutely. So since... 2000, uh, many schools have and continue to adopt 21st century learning strategies. Things such as furniture, equipment, one-on-one instruction, all great strategies that truly enhance the learning experience. What has been missing from that conversation, however, is safety. And we know from studies, from, from research, UC Davis did a recent study And they drew a direct correlation between student safety and truancy. When students didn't feel safe, they were more apt to miss school. Mm -hmm. And we know what happens when you miss too too much school. Yeah, yeah. And we'll pick up this conversation. I'm talking with Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian. This is Crosswalk. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark filling in for Angel and Eric. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the 21st Century Safe School. Don't go away. We'll be back. Now, back to Crosswalk with Angel and Eric. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark filling in for Angel and Eric. This is Crosswalk, and I'm the host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, which airs on Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain on 94.7 FM, The Word. And if you need support with your change and transformation goals, check out my book, Do Something Different for a Change. It's perfect for the soon-to-be graduate in your life. Do Something Different for Change is a self-help book that shares effective psychological strategies based on biblical principles to help you identify and overcome the common barriers to change in your life and help you experience lasting change and transformation. It's perfect for those high school and college graduates. And if you yourself are needing some help with a strategic plan for your life, reserve your spot in my June 17th Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreat. Learn more about my books and retreat at Dr. Peg Radio. Well, my guest in this first hour has been Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, and um, I think he has the record for uh, the most number of times on my show, Living Well with Dr. (laughs) Pegg. Welcome back, Michael. You are brave, Dr. (laughs) Pegg. I may just have to have you as a regular. I may one day have you as my co-host. All right. Good deal. Yeah. So you're president of SSI Guardian, and you're sharing with us some important safety and security information that it's a comprehensive solution to provide training and um, solutions for schools, K-12 schools, campuses, businesses. And um, we were talking about the 21st century safe school, which mm-hmm. is a an important concept that uh, Guardian has really 
um, taken the lead with. So continue talking about that. Sure. So this is a relatively new initiative for us um, in conjunction with our parent company, School Specialty. Uh, so as I mentioned in the last segment, um, schools have adopted 21st century learning strategies. Very, very good stuff. But what's been missing has been safety. And you truly cannot achieve a 21st century safe or a 21st century education without safety being involved. When we talk about safety, it's not just training and and door locks and surveillance cameras and things like that. We look at it and we approach this in three phases from the mental, physical, and emotional perspectives, uh, which a lot of people typically overlook. Mm -hmm. So safety can be an inherent characteristic uh, to a piece of furniture um, that that is best fit for the students. So as they're comfortable, they're going to learn more. Mm -hmm. Safety could be a natural cleaning agent um, that doesn't impact students or teachers Mm -hmm. uh, who, who have allergic who have allergic reactions. So safety comes in many different forms from very, very basic things to more advanced security type things, such as the advanced training, trauma response kits, Mm -hmm. classroom evacuation kits. So with School Specialty, who is a true leader in the educational space, providing solutions for more than 58 years, uh, we are truly the only company who can address this in such a comprehensive manner. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, and we'll continue to talk about what some of those comprehensive solutions are for different scenarios that take place in a K-12 setting, college campus setting, and, and even in the workplace, which a school is a workplace, right? That's a, right. A college campus is a workplace, so mm-hmm. uh, these solutions go across venues. Also, um, the training that people receive uh, in their workplace benefits them with their families in the community. Absolutely. What we tell people during our trainings is, please, take this home. Share it with Mm -hmm. your family. Share it with your friends. This is a lifelong learning uh, skill that that you've just learned through our training. Absolutely. So, you know, we hear in the news, it it seems just so frequently now, um, week after week almost it seems, month after month of uh, yet another school lockdown, a school on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, here in, in um, the Denver metro area, um, you'll you'll see the alert come from uh, the local police or the local news will tweet it out that such and such school is on lockdown. There was a suspicious person seen wielding a gun near the school or some person is, you know, there's a foot chase by police near a school um, and we'll see the lockdown. Uh, uh, alert. Uh, and we've all seen the images on the news of mm-hmm. children being let out of the school with their hands in the air, uh, police all around and helicopters flying overhead, probably a parent's worst nightmare. Um, walk us through a possible scenario uh, that would call for a lockdown at a school. And what are the kinds of things we can expect during a lockdown? Sure. So uh, one of the most common ones, unfortunately, is is an active shooter Mm -hmm. incident. And whether that person hit the weapon of choice is a handgun or whether it's a knife, there Mm -hmm. are school stabbings, too. But using that word generically, active shooter, uh, is certainly a reason for schools to go on lockdown. If there's an active shooter um, situation nearby in the community, Mm -hmm. school will also go on lockdown as a precaution. So we hear lockdowns a lot, and some schools and companies practice more frequently than others. But like with anything, there's a proper way Mm -hmm. to conduct a lockdown in ways that, quite frankly, are neither proper nor safe. Mm. So what I mean by that, we think you just lock the door. So in every classroom in America, there's either a a window in, in the classroom door or a sidelight, and that is for child safety. 
So it's not enough just to lock the door. You have to black out that window uh, with a lockdown shade. You have to hide. You have to silence your phones. Mm -hmm. There's a myriad of steps that you need to take. And then it's about having the right locking device on that classroom door, a deadbolt that you press a button. Anybody can press the button and lock down in one second versus things that are not code compliant that don't meet fire code. Mm. So we hear lockdown and parents and a lot of times are, quite frankly, misinformed from the schools that we practice lockdowns and everything is good. Um, but unless you're prop practicing the proper strategies, you're really not that safe. Mm hmm. Wow. And so these lockdowns can go on for quite some time. They can last for hours. Yeah. If you look at San Bernardino, and I think we're going to talk about that mm -hmm. later, um, but since we're on the yeah, point, one of the, the main points of contention with parents, it took several hours for parents to be reunited with their kids. Right. And let's remind the listeners what happened recently, San, San Bernardino Elementary School that um, was uh, for special needs students in this one particular class. Talk about what happened there. Yes, very, very sad and tragic story. Um, it was a domestic dispute, and um, the woman's husband came into the school. Uh, they let him walk right in because they knew him, and, hey, I have something for my wife, so they let him walk in, uh, which is against protocol, or there was a lack of protocol. We don't know which one at this point. And he goes back there, unfortunately, um, fatally shoots his wife, and two students, eight years old and seven years old, were standing behind the teacher hiding. They mm. were in fear. And one student, unfortunately, uh, one was wounded and, and one didn't make it. Mm -hmm. um, very, very sad. Yeah. yeah. And through that process, the reunification period, parents were alerted that we're picking the student, pick your students up at a local university. And then they changed it and picked them up at a high school. One woman, and actually the local media followed her around. She went to three separate campuses uh, in the area looking for her child. Mm. Now, with most of these cases, cell phone towers get bombarded and they tend to lock up. So there are cases where parents are calling their kids on cell phones. They can't get them. And some will assume the worst that, oh, my God, they're not my child's not picking up. Something bad must have happened. Wow. And so that waiting can be terrifying the can for, be absolute, everyone. for everyone. For yeah. everyone, absolutely yeah. terrifying. Mm -hmm. Including parents. And so are, are there solutions um, that are available to help in that situation um, as well as evacuations when, when the, the option is not available uh, to lock down and hide, but really we need to get everyone out of the building? Um, what kinds of things are available um, in particular through SSI Guardian um, that that are that are helpful in kind of mitigating the discomfort and the fear. There are communication platforms such as ReadyUp that is one of our products uh, that can alert somebody simultaneously via text, voicemail, and email. But that communication is only as effective as the information going into it. So it mm -hmm. has to be accurate, which all circles back to training. Mm -hmm. Everything starts with training. And it's it's not good enough just to say that we have a communication platform and we'll notify parents when something bad happens. It's about practicing that because when you need it most, there is truly no room for error. Mm -hmm. so, so, so that is certainly one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when we return, we'll talk more about uh, some of the things you should be talking with your children about or if you are a principal of a school. Do you have a plan uh, that's in place? And, and importantly, Michael, a plan that you exercise, that you practice it's not enough to just have it in a manual somewhere on a shelf collecting dust, but we've got to know it. We've got to practice it. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, 
I'll continue my conversation with Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian. We're also going to talk about the Maryland dad who turned his daughter into authorities after finding weapons, bomb-making materials, and a detailed attack plan in her diary. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. You're listening to Crosswalk. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. is Crosswalk with Angel and Eric. Hey, welcome back. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm filling in for Angel and Eric, and I host Living Well with Dr. Peg, which airs on Saturday afternoons from 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain on 94.7 FM, The Word. My guest today is Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, and SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education and training um, talk a little bit about some of those standards, Michael. It's evidence-based. You've got a cadre of, of uh, law enforcement experts and veterans. Sure. I mean, it, it starts with being evidence-based. What mm-hmm. we mean by that is we're teaching security industry best practices, not theories that may sound cool or sound uh, like they're going to work, best practices mm-hmm. that is that have been proven to save lives. Uh, one standard that we set, and we're very proud, we are the only program in America of our type with an accredited CEU, Continuing Educated Unit, that is issued by North Carolina State University. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big accolade that we're very, very proud of. Uh, essentially, third-party validation, NC State putting their stamp of approval on it. Cadre of the instructors, individuals who have lived this their entire lives, um, and not just from the security side, but from the mental health side, too. And we're the only program that merges both of those disciplines into one program called Stop the Threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, our program is actually taught twice a year at the university, at North Carolina State University on campus in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have set, to, ha, set the standards. Also with products, uh, best practice, performance-based products um, that make your place of business or school much, much safer. So mm-hmm. setting these standards, sharing these standards with schools who can follow these guidelines to ensure that they're doing the right things. Because at the end of the day, school administrators are not safety professionals. Um, they absolutely want their schools to be safe, mm-hmm. uh, but they, they need to have some sound guidance on what they should be doing. Because without standards, unfortunately, um, there's been a plethora of products and training um, that, quite frankly, are not evidence-based, that are not performance-based, and in many cases have unintended consequences that make students, that make schools less safe than they were before. Yeah, and it's important to to not just uh, get any solution so you can check a box or feel like, yeah, we're doing something good for our students and we have this money to spend in this budget or this bond, you know, that we've raised money, you really have to do your homework. Exactly. Schools do have choices. Parents do have choices. Mm-hmm. Those days of what well, we have to do something and this is our only choice are, are far, far behind us. Yeah. There are some outstanding solutions out there that truly enhance the safety of a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's imperative that parents get involved with this too, that yeah. they educate themselves so they can address and ask the right questions 
at their children's school. Why are we doing this? Have you considered this? Have you seen these solutions? Mm -hmm. Because all of this makes sense. Why aren't we doing this? And you can't allow money to stand in the way. Um, Budgets exist without question, but their schools do have alternatives. Mm -hmm. There are grants, state grants, federal grants. There are fundraising options, and we know schools love to fundraise. They do it for a myriad of things, whether it's selling candy bars, (laughs) um, pizzas, hoagies, whatever they do. Uh, and if you look at it that way, really, the cost per student to make your school safer is really a small number. Mm-hmm. So schools do have options. It's a matter yeah. of sometimes thinking outside the box, not solely relying upon your budget or federal or state monies or mm-hmm. grants, but leading with action, taking matters into your own hands as the community. And that's where we see parents playing an absolutely pivotal part. Yeah, great. Well, I'm glad you're listening, parents. Uh, my guest is Michael Yorio, and I hope you'll take that uh, encouragement um, and, and um, exhortation, so to speak, to heart. Uh, well, you know, this show is broadcast from Colorado. We've got mm-hmm. local listeners on 94.7 FM, The Word. And we also have people listening online, and they'll be listening to this as a recorded podcast. And the show comes out of Colorado. And, and last week was the uh, anniversary of uh, the Colum- Columbine High School um, attacks and massacre, where 12 students and one teacher were killed, 24 injured. Um, uh, and so there have been a lot of lessons that have been learned and policy and procedure that's changed as a result of Columbine. Uh, and our prayers go out to that community, uh, to the survivors, to the loved ones, to those who lost their lives and, and who were injured. Uh, what lessons uh, have been learned from Columbine that we can see where out of such a tragedy came some hope and some forward movement in terms of keeping us safe today? Mm-hmm. So actually, one of the biggest lessons learned with Columbine came from one of our own, Chief Todd Evans, who is a SSI guardian instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, uh, Chief Todd, and he still is, he's in El Paso County, Colorado, and uh, he's with the sheriff's office down there, and he was part of the post-investigation. And through him and his team, their studies, they changed, and through their recommendations, changed the way law enforcement trains for active shooter shootings. Mm. So in the past, and every department was different, the first officer on scene, more often than not, was not permitted to enter that school or that place of business. They had to wait until, whether it was two or four, whatever the number may be, for the appropriate number of of police officers to be on scene to enter the building. That has all changed. Mm -hmm. Now the first police are trained in a manner that the first person on site, whether it's a Officer, an undercover detective, whoever is on site first enters that school. Mm-hmm. And they've been trained to do that. Uh, so it really changed the way law enforcement trains to address these threats. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Um, another lesson learned from Columbine is back to situational awareness and people saying things. We know that there were countless signs that something bad would happen at some point with the two shooters. There were comments, there were notes to teachers, uh, there was in the after, but it's too late after the fact when you say, yeah, they were acting strange or mm-hmm. they made this comment or they wrote something on a, on a quiz to a teacher. No one apparently took it serious. Or they weren't well trained to know what to make of that. And that too, they had never been trained. Um, The ways teachers are trained, uh, we know with the librarian, she did what she was supposed to do. They they hid under things. They didn't lock the door. We know this from the 911 dispatch. Had she locked the door 
and they did a proper lockdown, perhaps all those people would not have perished. But she did, not her fault, she did what she was trained to yes. do. Unfortunately, she didn't receive the right training. Uh, we also know that they had a evacuation path because of where the incident started on campus. They had time to escape had they been trained mm-hmm. accurately. So really, all trainings are not created equal. Parents, I hope mm-hmm. you're listening. All trainings are not created equal. Mm-hmm. As with anything, there are bad training programs and there are good training programs. Right. And when you're talking about safety, you get one shot and there is literally no room for mistake or error. Mm-hmm. You can't take a chance when a child's life is at stake. Yeah, absolutely. We can all appreciate that. Uh, let's talk about uh, what parents can do. Again, it's easy after the fact, and in fact, in fact, a whole investigation took place. You mentioned Chief Todd Evans being a part of that, um, kind of the post-incident uh, investigation. And so it's easy to look back and see all the places where something could have been done differently. But again, the, the important point is they didn't have the training they needed that might have saved lives. That's right. Um, so an important part of training is Again, that situational awareness and when you see something, say something, but knowing what you're looking for, knowing what you, how to interpret what you're seeing, and then what's the appropriate response. So let's talk before we've got to go. Um, one Maryland father uh, was paying attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up notifying school officials after he found a shotgun, ammo, and bomb-making material in his daughter's possession, and he read her diary. Some parents think that's taboo and no-no. But this dad read her diary, turned out it contained a detailed plan for how she was going to carry out a shooting at her school and also kill herself. Um, Her father told the school authorities. They investigated. Uh, She was later hospitalized. Uh, The diary showed evidence that she may have had mental health and emotional issues. Um, Why do parents need to talk to their children about safety an active shooter response, as well as their own mental health and kind of paying attention. Is my child showing signs of depression or suicide or bullying? Do I know what those signs are? A great example of how this one father um, may have potentially saved many lives, including the life of his daughter if she had planned to kill herself at the end. Sure. And first off, I I sincerely salute this gentleman. That's one of the hardest things to do in life is to turn in your own child for something this uh, violent. Um, So he absolutely did the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I I salute this gentleman for that. Parents play a crucial role uh, in in, in child safety. Um, They are the ones that know their children better than anyone. Um, They are privy to information that teachers and schools do not have. As you mentioned, he read her diary, and some may consider that taboo. Um, But it turns out he had ample cause to do so, Mm -hmm. um, and he saved many, many lives. Absolutely. I've had a guest on my show, Living Well with Dr. Pegg, a gentleman known as the Cyber Safety Cop. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the importance of for parents to to regularly and um, unannounced check your child's cell phone and devices and computers to see what they're doing. So some may feel that's crossing a line to read diaries and check phones and text messages. Uh, But in the day and age in which we're living today, um, there's not only information we might find about um, potential violent acts towards others, but we also know there are predators out there who have a portal into our children's bedroom through the palm of their hands in their devices. So um, I think the lesson there is really parents need to be involved, need to be paying attention, 
attention and take appropriate action. They absolutely do. And it's important that parents are educated and trained in a matter, uh, to your point, that they know what they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, they know they can distinguish the difference between a minor threat that they can talk to their child about and something more serious that they need to take action. You mentioned predators, also terrorists, yeah. um, really leverage social media to reach uh, young American students yeah. and get them to do very, very bad things, yeah. including trying to take their own lives. Yeah. Michael Yorio, thanks so much for being with me today. Would Thank you, you Dr. stick Pagan. around for the next uh, hour? Absolutely. Yeah? Okay, great. And we'll We're pick here. all this up. I'm talking with Michael Yorio. Uh, my guest in the next hour is Sleep and Circadian Rhythms Research Science, Dr. Gemma Paik. And she's going to tell you everything you need to know about how to get a good night's sleep. Uh, my guest this first hour has been Michael Yorio. He's going to stick around and talk about the jet lag he sometimes experiences. <laughs> I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. KRKS FM, Lafayette, Denver, Boulder. This is Crosswalk with Angel Tussie and Eric Raymer. Hey, good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Crosswalk with Angel and Eric. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I'm guest hosting for Angel and Eric. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and host of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, which also airs on 94.7 FM, The Word. I'm filling in for Angel and Eric today. It's been a lot of fun. I'll be with you for the next hour, and we are going to be talking about sleep and circadian rhythms with research scientist Dr. Gemma Paik. And I've also got jet setter Michael Yorio, who was with me in the first hour. He's president of SSI Guardian. He's sticking around to learn what to do about his jet lag. Michael, you, you came from California today, uh, yesterday. You're here in Colorado, heading back to Florida. It's it's that jet setting life. Yeah, huh? I actually started on the East Coast on Sunday. Came <laughs> to California to Cal to Colorado, and uh, as you say, kind of live on airplanes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going around the country educating folks about uh, safety, and we talked about that in the first hour. Um, uh, if you want to learn more about uh, SSI Guardian, how can folks get in touch with you and um, learn about uh, Guardian? Sure. First, by going to our website ssiguardian.com. And I welcome all of your listeners to call me direct at area code 202-676-7166. Okay, I'm going to write that number down. <laughs> Just don't call if you go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and don't call late at night because he's, he's uh, on a different time zone. That's right. <laughs> so if you have questions about sleep, sleep loss, sleepwalking, sleep or night terrors, we're taking your calls later in the program. And you can call in today at 303 873 1935. That's 303-873-1935. If you have a question for Dr. Gemma Paik, and I'll introduce her in just a moment. I found a scripture that ties our two topics together today. We talked about safety in the first hour, and now we're going to talk about sleep. And uh, I've got uh, Proverbs 3 here, starting in verse 21. It says, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. And so when we uh, 
are aware of our environment and we've been trained and we know what to do in an emergency, it's easy to go to sleep at night. You're not sure. plagued with anxiety. Well, you're listening to Crosswalk. Again, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I'm host of Living Well with Dr. Peg on Saturday afternoons from 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain. And on that show, I share effective psychological strategy, strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. And you can listen to previous episodes of Living Well with Dr. Peg at drpegradio.com. And, of course, you can listen to the show every Saturday at 1 on 94.7 FM, The Word. Well, my guest for this hour by phone is Dr. Gemma Paik, and she's a sleep and circadian rhythms research scientist at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. And Dr. Paik is an expert in sleep and the effects of sleep loss and sleep disruption on performance and general health. Dr. Gemma Paik, thanks for being with us, and welcome to the program. Thanks, Peggy. It's great to be here. Excellent. Well, you're at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, but you come to us by way of Australia. Is that not right? Yes, that's correct. (laughs) I'm very far away from home at the moment. (laughs) Yes, so you may know a little about jet lag, too. So uh, in that case, uh, good day, mate, or is it good night, mate? (laughs) Uh, I think it's good day. Good day still. Good morning there. All right, all right. So, Dr. Paik, the million-dollar question is, how did you get interested in the topic of sleep and circadian rhythms? Yeah, that is a Mm million-dollar question. I kind of almost just fell into it, really. Um, I, I never set out to specifically investigate sleep. I kind of just stumbled upon a, a sleep research lab and found the research that they were doing really interesting and I've just stayed in the area ever since, more or less. It's uh, been a little bit of a, a an interesting path for me, but it's been it's been very um it's been it's been great. I really enjoyed it. That's great. So you fell into sleep. Yeah. No pun intended. All <laughs> no right. pun intended. <laughs> great. Well, we know many people suffer from sleep loss, and Michael Murio mm-hmm. travels the country. Um, about how many days a month do you think you spend on planes in different time zones, Michael? Oh, more than I'm home, 20 plus. Oh, uh, yeah. I can tell you I flew more than 200,000 miles in 2016, mm-hmm. so oh, wow. equates to a lot of days. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you may suffer from sleep deprivation, I'm sure, at times, and we'll talk about jet lag as well this hour. Um, and, and there's so many different consequences of sleep loss, uh, aren't there, Dr. Paik? Um, and certainly a concern a lot of folks have is impaired performance at work mm-hmm. or certainly at school for students. Um, talk more about that. So, I mean, a lot of it, like, like you said, a lot of the things um, people think about when they think about sleep deprivation is, is the effects on performance. Um, and so a lot of that can be just reaction time. You know, you're a lot slower to respond to things. That one's the, that one's the most common. Um, but then there's a lot of other things as well. So you might have difficulty making decisions, remembering things. It's very important for people if they're, you know, trying to study for exams or um, finals. Um, and then other things um, like your inhibition. I remember you were saying earlier in your previous segment about safety and, and safety in schools and people's people when they're sleep deprived have um, an impaired ability to um, change their response to a situation. Mm. So, you know, that that could potentially be an issue in some of these um, issues within the schools. Um, But you also have changes to mood. So people probably very familiar when you don't have enough sleep, you might get uh, quite angry or upset or irritable. Um, So we have all those kinds of things as well. But then you also have a lot of changes 
to your body's physiology. Um, so a lot of the research uh, in previous years has focused on metabolic health. Um, so we know that when people are sleep deprived, they have changes to their insulin response um, and particularly to ghrelin and leptin hormones, which regulate our hunger and our satiety. Um, and, and, and Dr. Paik, let me interrupt yeah. you. Um, we're going to take a break, so if someone mm-hmm. needs to get a snack, okay. yep. <laughs> since that's affected by uh, lack of sleep, uh, they can do so during the break. And mm-hmm. when we come back, we can talk more about uh, the common causes behind sleep loss and what we can do about it. Uh, thanks so much for being my guest, Dr. Gemma Paik. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and this is Crosswalk, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Now, back to Crosswalk with Angel and Eric. Welcome back. This isn't Angel nor Eric. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I'm filling in for Angel and Eric. I'm the host of Living Well with Dr. Peg on Saturday afternoons from 1 to 2 on 94.7 FM, The Word. I'm talking with Dr. Gemma Paik, a research scientist whose expertise is in all things sleep. And I've got Michael Yorio, who's in the first hour with me. Uh, who's stuck around so he can get some tips on how to cope with uh, different time zones and uh, 200,000 miles a year on flights. I am so sleepy. (laughs) He's so sleepy. His (laughs) eyes are looking really heavy, Dr. Paik, but it's not because what you're sharing is not exciting. It's good information that we need to know. Um, You were talking about some of the health consequences, physical consequences of sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. So I like to get about eight hours of sleep, and sometimes I think, that could be too much, but I kind of that's kind of the groove I get into when I am able to sleep and, and don't have to travel or get up super early for something unusual. Uh, how much sleep do we really need to avoid some of those um, negative health effects that you were sharing in the, before the break? Well, if you're getting eight hours of sleep, you're smack bang in the recommended uh, duration. All right. Um, so well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, most, most adults. Uh, the recommendations according to the National Sleep Foundation's guidelines uh, for adults is around seven to nine hours mm. of sleep. Um, you know, there's a lot of flexibility to that, though. Uh, some people might need a little bit less and some people might need a little bit more. And that can depend a lot on the situation as well. So um, people will notice if they've been sick or something like that, they may need a little bit extra sleep to kind of recover from that. Or if they've had a late night and and haven't had enough sleep the previous night, they might need to sleep a little bit longer as well. But for most adults, it's around uh, seven to nine hours. Mm. And Michael, where do you fall in, in that? Are you in that range or where are you at? Uh, some nights I get two, um, oh, but ideally if <laughs> oh, I get six, I'm okay. So I'm one of those people I don't require the full eight to be fully functional. Okay. Uh, so six, I guess, is my magic number, okay. but I don't always get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, Dr. Paik, a lot of people think that, that, yeah, I get about mm-hmm. five hours of sleep, but I'm, I'm doing well. I feel good. Um, it's very rare for someone to function at their optimal performance when they're outside of that ideal range, though, isn't it? That's very correct. And a lot of the time, um, people might think that they're okay, but we've actually shown in uh, some sleep studies that when people are having severely restricted sleep, their ability to perceive how well they're performing Mm -hmm. is actually wildly different 
from how they're actually performing. So you might actually think that you're doing okay, Mike, but you're probably not doing as great as you think you are. <laughs> um, there's a very, I mean, there are some people who do do only need very short amount of sleep, that it's a very small population. I think it's less than 1% or something. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I've known Michael Sorry. to be exceptional, and you ha- you've yes. had training in the course of your career. I have been called another a one-percenter. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've been trained to be able to function at, at whatever the required tasks are because of your background. I Absolutely, I, I have. Um, but even growing up as a child, I was the guy, and especially in college, where you were up very, very late and had to get up early the next morning. And I was the guy, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and <laughs> yeah. I feel great and let's go. And uh, I had friends that I guess they required more than yeah. eight hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. So fortunate in that respect. But uh, would love to hear some tips, Doctor Gemma. <laughs> uh, a lot of times, I would love to sleep seven or eight hours, and during the course of my sleeping, it doesn't work out. I wake up, I toss, I turn, and uh, obviously, that's impacting the you know, the actual sleep hours. Yeah. So, can you talk to us about what um, ideal sleep looks like? Um, I used to teach Psych 101, and we learned about the stages of sleep: mm-hmm. uh, REM sleep, non-REM sleep. M- many people have heard of that, but may not be exactly clear what that is. What are those stages of sleep, and how do you know when you are sleeping well? So, um, yeah, you're very correct. There are non-REM and REM sleep, so they're the kind of two main categories of sleep. Within non-REM sleep, there's actually three separate categories. Um, so one, so they're, they're very um, importantly named stage one through <laughs> to three. Yeah, easy <laughs> to remember original. for the test, right? Um, so one is a very light stage of sleep, and we usually, you know, if you're falling to sleep, you that's kind of usually the stage of sleep that you enter sleep in. Um, and then you have stage two, which is a little bit deeper, um, and then you have stage three, which is deeper yet, and so it's very hard to wake up, or it's a little bit harder to wake up from uh, stage three sleep than it is from some of the, the other stages like stage one and two. And these components make up of, um, together make up REM, non-REM sleep. And then you have REM sleep, which is um, rapid eye movement sleep. So this is typically where people think, um, associate dreaming and dreams with. So usually over the progression of one night, um, the first half of the sleep is mostly composed of non-REM sleep. And then the second part of the night is mostly composed of REM sleep. Um, so usually usually it's about 50% um, non-REM and a little bit less than 50% of REM. Um, so sleep is also regulated by two processes. There's a circadian process, which is your body clock, mm-hmm. and then a homeostatic process, which is driven by how much prior sleep you've had and how long you've been awake for. So these two processes kind of work in conjunction together, mostly so that we're we're asleep during the night time and then we stay asleep until the early morning hours and then wake up and we're awake during the daytime. Um, do would you like me to explain that in a little bit more detail? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so more or less your circadian rhythm, you know, people might feel like, you know, you kind of have this tiredness at night time. And, and this is basically working to put you to sleep at night time. And then as you're, um, as you're awake, you have an accumulation in homeostatic pressure for sleep. So you get sleepier as the day progresses. And then uh, during your sleep, that homeostatic pressure kind of dissipates. So then in the early morning hours, what happens quite frequently is that your circadian process kind of kicks in to help keep you asleep through those early morning hours 
even when you have a very low homeostatic pressure for sleep. So these changes, um, these two processes can change a little bit depending on um, what time you're sleeping and, and how much sleep you've had in the past. So, you know, if you've had a night where you, where you might have only had two hours uh, sleep, for example, that's you, might, mm. yeah, that's like, you might have uh, increased homeostatic pressure, which might kind of mm. drive you to drive you to want to have more sleep, uh, in particular more non-REM sleep than REM sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, I've noticed that uh, the quality of my sleep and even the quantity of my sleep mm-hmm. can be affected by what I've eaten, mm-hmm. either during that day or just over the course even of several days, and certainly by um, whether I've exercised or mm-hmm. not that day or over the course of the week or how late I've exercised or how late I've eaten. Is my observation correct that that affects yeah. my sleep? Yeah, that's very correct. And definitely the healthier you eat and the more you exercise, mm-hmm. the better your quality of sleep is going to be. You know, a lot of the times, you know, around Christmas and Thanksgiving when we're eating <laughs> these very rich foods yeah. <laughs> that mm-hmm. might, and, and drinking a lot of alcohol that might impair um, people sleep a little bit. And so even just going for like a 20-minute walk outside to get some fresh air and kind of get your blood circling in a little bit can, can do amazing mm-hmm. um, amazing things for people's sleep. It doesn't have to be vigorous exercise yes. to help mm-hmm. you sleep, but great. it definitely can help. Great, so, great. Well, yeah. when we come back, we'll learn more about how to improve the quality of our sleep and different sleep disorders like sleepwalking or restless leg sy- a syndrome. Uh, listeners, this is Crosswalk. And I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Uh, my guest is Dr. Gemma Paik, and she's a sleep research scientist. And she'll tell us more about how to have a good night's sleep and help Michael Yorio, who's still here with me from the first hour, help him get a good night's sleep as well. Stay I with am us. so sleepy. <laughs> Call Angel and Eric at 303-873-1935. This is Crosswalk. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, filling in for Angel and Eric, and I'm the host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, which airs on Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. on 94.7 FM, The Word. If you need support with your change and transformation goals, check out my book, Do Something Different for a Change. It's perfect for the soon-to-be graduate in your life. Needing help with a strategic plan for your life, reserve your spot in my June 17th Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. Learn more about my books and retreat at drpegradio.com. And I'm here in the studio with Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, and we were talking about safety in the, f- the first hour, and he's joined us in the second hour uh, with Dr. Gemma Paik. And Dr. Paik is a research scientist who studies sleep and circadian rhythms. So we're talking about all the different things that can affect us and affect our sleep. And um, eating a heavy meal at Thanksgiving makes us really sleepy, doesn't it, Dr. Paik? It does, yeah. So how do how did we learn all these things? Um, how is sleep studied in the sleep lab? And when would someone need to go into a sleep lab to be evaluated for issues surrounding sleep? So um, the sleep labs that we do a lot of research in are a little bit different from a clinical sleep lab. A lot of the times in the um, labs that I've been in, we like to have participants in the labs for you know maybe up to a month, uh, which is quite a long time. So um, often they're like um, small little apartments. Hmm. 
um, and they're quite comfortable and um, we try to make our participants as comfortable as possible. They're usually isolated um, from the outside world so they don't have windows. Um, the lighting is all controlled. So we can kind of keep a tab of uh, everything can make sure that what we're doing to the participants, whether that be restricting their sleep or letting them sleep for longer or changing the time of day that they're sleeping, that those are the effects that we're manipulating and not from everything else that's happening um, outside. So this is where we've got most of the research from uh, about sleep has been from um, research-based laboratories um, but then you have sort of clinical-based laboratories uh, and they do a lot more sleep testing for sleep disorders or sleep problems. Uh, and usually a general indication if, if someone is unsure when to go to see a sleep clinic, um, you know, if you've, if you've kind of been sleeping for quite a long time or you feel like you're not getting enough sleep or you feel like you're chronically tired, you know, you're always struggling to stay awake at work during the day or work or school or something like that, that might be indication that something's not quite right. Mm -hmm. and most, I feel like most general practitioners or family doctors these days kind of have a general idea about sleep and so you, know, you can chat to them and it might be something something very simple like changing your what we call your sleep hygiene, so that would be like your bedroom environment or just basic sleep habits. Mm -hmm. um, or they might refer you to a sleep clinic where you can have a, a sleep study done to determine if there's something else going on that's affecting your sleep. Right. So some things to look for, you say, are just that real sleepiness during the day where you can mm -hmm. barely keep your eyes open or just being aware that you're not sleeping through the night. Michael Yorio and I were talking during the break about um, having no trouble falling asleep, but um, very routinely waking up in the middle of the night and mm -hmm. not being able to go back to sleep. Uh, how common yeah. is, would that be? Would that be something where we'd need to go to a sleep uh, a sleep lab, a, a clinical sleep lab to be evaluated? Um, I mean, it, it can be common to wake up during the night. Um, and, you know, I guess it depends on if, if it's taking you, you know, like several hours to get back to sleep or just a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Um and but I mean, if you if it was something to if you were worried about it, I would recommend going to you know a family practitioner first before seeking advice from the sleep a sleep specialist. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it may be some yeah. things like like we talked about changing diet or mm -hmm. moderate exercise uh, in the afternoon, cutting yeah. out caffeine. So there may be some yeah. practical temperature. Things. We were talking. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the room uh, temperature. I have to have it cold when I sleep. If it's too warm, I, mm -hmm. I'm waking up. I'm uncomfortable. Quick question though, Doctor Paik, is there mm -hmm. such a thing as getting too much sleep? Yes and no. Um, so so. Getting too much sleep can be an indication that something's not quite right or you're trying to sleep too much. But having said that, it can also be quite helpful. So if you know that you're going to be traveling, for example, in your case, and you might only get a few hours sleep, you can kind of do what we call banking sleep. So you can extend your sleep a little bit for a couple of weeks beforehand to kind of get a reserve of sleep, if you like. Um, and then that kind of minimizes some of the negative effects associated with sleep loss. Um, so it kind of, it's it's a bit of a tricky one to answer because it depends on the individual and the situation. But mm -hmm. if, you, if I guess if you're regularly feeling like you're, if you're in bed for more than 10 hours, that's probably an indication that you're trying to sleep too much 
And if you feel like that 10 hours isn't giving you enough sleep, if you still feel like you're tired, that's definitely a sign that you should go and seek some uh, professional assistance. Mm -hmm. And we know that sleep disturbance is also a symptom of um, some mental disorders, for example, uh, depression. And so if you're Mm -hmm. just feeling like you don't want to get out of bed, whether you're Mm -hmm. falling asleep or not, but just spending a lot of time in bed and sleeping with the blinds closed and turning off the phone, that might be Mm -hmm. an indicator of of, um, a a different kind of concern. Yeah, that's that's correct. And a lot of the times um, with depression or anxiety, you kind of feel chronically tired as well. And and like you, um, and a, a lot of the times your sleep, schedule, like the timing of your sleep becomes quite disrupted with some of these mental health issues. Um, So you might not be able to fall asleep until like 2 a.m., but you want to sleep in until well past noon. Mm -hmm. Um, So your sleep timing becomes a little bit disrupted as well. So it's it's a little, yeah, so if you're kind of in that situation, it's definitely uh, worthwhile seeking some help to make sure that there's not something else going on. Yeah, good. Well, I like that notion of what you call banking sleep. I was telling Michael during the break that when I travel east, um, I try to get extra sleep a couple days before mm-hmm. I have to go on my trip because often if I have a really early flight, it's hard to even fall asleep the night before because I guess mm-hmm. I'm kind of you know, ruminating on did I pack everything, what mm-hmm. do I have to do in the nature of my travel perhaps. And mm-hmm. so I may not sleep that well the night before, but if I can sleep uh, a little bit extra a couple of days before that, I seem to do a little bit better. So you've given me some language to, to explain that. I'm banking sleep and yeah. have something in reserve. <laughs> I, what I remember from teaching Psych 101 is uh, we can accumulate what's called a sleep debt. So mm-hmm. I can bank some sleep and have it in reserve. Yes, yeah, so bank it to you can bank your sleep to minimize your sleep debt. <laughs> yes, excellent. Love it, love it. So we, we only have about two minutes in, in this segment. Uh, what would be some examples of other types of conditions that might require professional intervention? Uh, you, you go to your doctor and they, they, you know, give you some of that basic sleep hygiene advice and you're still having trouble. Um, what are a couple of well, let's just start with one uh, sleep disorder that you see most commonly, other than insomnia, in your sleep lab. And we just have about a minute, and we'll continue our discussion uh, after the break. So the most common one is uh, obstructive sleep apnea or sleep apnea, and that's where people sort of stop breathing a little bit in their sleep. Um, and that one is probably the most common within Western societies. And that one can cause a lot of fragmentation to your sleep because you stop breathing, so your brain kind of gives this response like you need to wake up and breathe, and mm. so you have very fragmented sleep. And then it has a lot of cardiovascular um, associations with it as well because um, basically it's putting a lot of pressure on your heart and, and your heart system to keep pumping oxygen around around your body. So an indication of that one can be snoring. Mm. So if your partner has said to you, um, you know, you're really snoring really loud, like a like a freight train or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or and or you're quite tired during the day. That's definitely an indication yes. that you have um, potentially yeah. have sleep apnea. And we're not allowed to deny it when our partner tells us we're snoring. Yes. I, I actually had a roommate at a uh, <laughs> overnight conference who uh, her son told her she snored and she didn't think so. And we ended up being roommates. Guess what? She snores. <laughs> we're we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, Dr. Paik will share with us what we can do to improve the quality and quantity of our sleep. This is Crosswalk 
I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. My guest is Dr. Gemma Paik, and I've got Michael Yorio from SSI Guardian in the studio with me. Stay with us. This is Crosswalk with Angel and Eric. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I'm in for Angel and Eric. It's been fun. We're in our last stretch here of the program. And I had uh, Mr. Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, as my guest in the first hour. We were talking about school safety. Thanks so much, Michael, for being here with me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back, Dr. Peggy. And, and you've been our little guinea pig, our case study, our Dr. Peggy. The guy who um, doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep a lot. Uh, also, um, we talked a little bit about kind of jet lag situation. Bank our sleep so we can cope a little bit better with that. Uh, Dr. Emma Paik, thanks for being on the show with me today as well. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure. Yes. How can listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your work? Um, so if people want to get in touch with me, um, I recommend just looking me up on uh, LinkedIn. It's the best way to look me up if they have co- connections with LinkedIn. Um, it, just search for Gemma Peak and then you should come up with that and people can get in contact with me by that if they wish. Excellent. And I'll have a link um, on my website, drpegradio.com, once this um, uh, podcast of Crosswalk is is available. I'll link it on my website, drpegradio.com, and I'll put a link to your LinkedIn, Dr. Gemma Paik, and as well, Michael Yorio. And that's uh, Gemma Paik, rhymes with cake. It's G E M M A and P A E C H. Am I spelling that correctly, Doctor? Yes. Uh, that's excellent. Correct. <laughs> All right. So we'll put a link there. So let's talk about uh, uh, improving quality of sleep and optimum sleep. Michael asked if we can sleep too much, and you said kind of yes and no. Uh, but what recommendations do you have? Uh, for example, for parents and young people themselves uh, with regard to uh, early school start times, lots of after-school activities, and and even college students who are pulling all-nighters. This is a topic that uh, many of our listeners may have a personal connection to, whether they're parents or they're uh, young people listening, college students. Um, It's really hard to get optimum amounts of sleep. What kinds of suggestions and tips can you offer us to improve the quality of our sleep and the amount of sleep when, when we're a student having to get up so early in the morning? Yeah, it's. I mean, the school start times is a very um, difficult one at the moment and there's a lot of work um, investigating whether or not the school start times, especially for teenagers, yeah. should be pushed back a little bit later to make it easier for students to get enough sleep. Um, probably the best thing, at least, for parents to do with smaller children um, sort of like middle school and elementary school age kids is to try to set a regular sleep sleep schedule with them mm-hmm. to get them in the in the habit of kind of going to bed at the same time each night and getting up at the same time every morning um, and then hopefully those habits kind of carry over into their later teens and then early adulthood it's a little bit different when people go to college because you know you don't have mom and dad telling you when you should go to bed <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, a lot of things to do, parties and all that kind of thing. So it can be difficult um, sort of in that early adulthood. Um, but if people keep a regular schedule, it, it definitely helps. Yeah. Um, and it kind of keeps keep you aligned. Um, some of the other things that people can do, um, especially with younger, younger people, is um, to have darker rooms. Mm. Um, 
so you know minimise the light. It's a bit, a bit more of an issue in big cities, you know, where I'm in Chicago, versus uh, somewhere a little bit smaller. Um, but light at night can be can cause a bit of disruption, and it should be a quiet. Your bedroom should be a quiet environment. So um, sometimes if you, maybe your neighbourhood is is uh, loud or noisy, having um, a white noise or a noisemaker can actually help. It kind of adds just like a dull noise. Even using a fan or something like that can be helpful, especially if people feel like they get quite warm when they sleep. It can help keep the bedroom temperature a little bit lower. Um, and then having a good routine before you go to bed, so putting away electronics, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, not, not looking at your phone in bed, um, trying to avoid those those stimulants um, as well uh, in the evening times and, and then going, you know, you might want to have a bath or a hot shower before bed and kind of winding down in the hour or half an hour before you plan on going to sleep uh, can help a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you bring up my um, little pet peeve. We talked about it at the opening of the first hour is... Um having those cell phones dominate your awareness. We talked about how situational awareness is so important for safety, but when we have our face in our cell phones as we're walking around, we can't notice threats in our environment and mm-hmm. take note of, of um, you know, odd behavior that concerns us. And similarly, cell phones really can interfere with uh, the quality of sleep and the quantity mm-hmm. of sleep. You talked about darker rooms and limiting noise mm-hmm. and stimulation um, that's really can be a, a problem, especially for teenagers. We, we, we send them to bed at their regular sleep time, as you recommend, and little do we know, unbeknownst to us, we might send, send them to bed at 10, and mm-hmm. two hours later, you discover that kid is still up and stimulated, watching YouTube videos, Snapchatting their friends, FaceTiming. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only are they just awake and in conversation, but the light from the phone and the mm-hmm. beeping of the phone, that can all be a problem, can it? Yeah, all, and I mean, all of those things, a lot of the times uh, with cell phones uh, and, you know, like any kind of electronics, you know, like tablets, people people automatically put it down to the light. Mm. Um, it's not just about the light that you're getting from these devices. It's about the stimulation that they provide, you know, if they are chatting with their friends or looking at YouTube videos, it can kind of stimulate your brain and your brain will sort of stay awake rather than winding down to sleep. Um, and that can definitely make it harder, especially the teens. And and I guess the other thing with teens, it's, you know, their body clock tends to be a little bit later. They tend to be a bit more of night owls than some other age groups. So they, they find it difficult anyway to kind of go to bed a little bit earlier, um, which can be problematic to get encourage them to put away their devices when they're so wide awake. Um, in the later evening hours, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So getting getting some maybe some consequences that might be a whole other show. Some parenting <laughs> interventions yeah. around those uh, devices. Uh, yeah. Talk about uh, night owls and morning morning birds or morning larks. You you mentioned uh, kind of the different timing um, uh, body clocks that teenagers have, where they're actually wired at that age to want to mm-hmm. stay up later and sleep mm-hmm. in. And again, we talked about. Uh, all the research that points to uh, later start times for schools. Uh, but talk about, um, you know, students notwithstanding, just the ordinary adult, uh, the difference between a night owl and a morning bird. What, what's that really about? 
So more or less, if, if you're kind of a night owl, you typically find it difficult to get up in the early morning, um, but then your peak time might be in the early evening to late evening. So for me, I'm a night owl. <laughs> so when I was doing my PhD, my my writing hours that I was most productive but were between the hours of uh, 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite late. Um, but then you have other people who are the opposite and they find that they're much easily, um, they find it easier to do things early in the morning. So, you know, they're the people that you might find going to the gym really early and they look wide awake and alert and want to have eight o'clock meetings and these <laughs> kinds of things. So you kind of have the two extremes. And um, a lot of it can be, you know, like you, you can change it a little bit by um, lifestyle or like habit changes. But a lot of the times, whether you're a night owl or an early bird or um, comes down to your genetics and mm. your underlying biology, that's kind of hard to override that um, and, and teens especially are bound to that later, you know, they typically tend to be like the later night hours. And it can be difficult, I think, sometimes for parents because you, during childhood and early childhood, children wake up very early and then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're the ones waking up, at, their parents waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, as teenagers, it becomes the opposite problem where you're struggling to get your teen out of bed at six o'clock in the morning so it can be a bit of a bit of a change and I think just by being aware if parents are aware that you know as children age their natural uh, desire to be awake later and get up later is kind of there then it can can help them just with the awareness of that. Yeah I think that's really a key observation is that genetically we all might be a little different and then developmentally we see changes mm-hmm. where uh, as little kids, they, they go to bed early, get up early. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they go into the teen years, they want to stay up later, sleep later. And then as we age and um, mm-hmm. get into our senior years, we go to bed early and get up early. <laughs> At least my mom does. She's uh, yep. 88 years old. Uh, yeah. I, I happen to be a, a morning person, and so I always kind of felt... Uh, uh, inferior to my peers that I couldn't stay up late on the weekends, but it did for me. It worked well in college. I was able mm-hmm. to uh, get up early, take early classes all before noon. My classes mm-hmm. were over. I could get lunch, go to the library, get all my studying done, maybe have another hour or two after I ate dinner, and then uh, I was done with all of my work mm-hmm. when my <laughs> classmates were just getting started. <laughs> and so I could kind of hang out in the evenings, and it never took a toll on my work. Uh, Well, Dr. Uh, Gemma Pate, you've shared so much good information with us, and I hope that the listeners are going to have a great night's sleep tonight because of your advice. Thanks so much for being on the program. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, thanks for being here with me in the studio. Thank you, Dr. Peggy. My pleasure. Nice to meet you, Dr. Pake. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Well, it's been great to share this time with you all. I'm sitting in for Angel and Eric. This is Crosswalk, and you can hear more from me on Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain on uh, 94.7 FM, The Word, on Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Go to drpegradio.com to find out more about my upcoming shows and listen to the archives and check out my book, Do Something Different for Change, as well as my June 17th, Do Something Different for Change Personal Transformation Retreat. 
This has been Crosswalk, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, in for Angel and Eric, reminding you to live well.